0: Hello everybody and happy Star Trek Day to all of you listening. Welcome to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kevin, and I'm joined once again and always by
1: the other host, Ethan.
0: Today marks 54 years since Star Trek first aired on NBC television. Back yeah. in 66. and it was so a glad
1: Star Trek has a day. I'm glad they picked Star a day. Star Trek
0: has a day. Great day to do it. And uh, it was a big day. This was the first time we actually kind of saw CBS... Not only... I mean, they acknowledge it every year, but they actually did something. I can't think of any time in recent memory where they've actually observed the day by actually doing something other than just saying like in a tweet, happy 53rd anniversary Star Trek, here's a nice tribute video or something like that, right? Like, This is the first time we've actually gotten something like this, to my knowledge.
1: This is much more than they did for the 50th anniversary, right? Oh,
0: completely so. I mean, we were discussing that at the end of our last podcast. They didn't do anything for the 50th anniversary except release a movie which didn't do very well.
1: Yes, which is remarkable and I think it's Hopefully, this is a sign that um, the the powers that be at the CBS Paramount monolith that it is are, um, you know, going to give Star Trek the attention it deserves.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping that this is the start of something, right? It makes more sense to do this sort of thing now because now you actually have Star Trek shows in production. You've got... A stream of content coming. I can understand before where, like, maybe it would not have been as easy because you don't really have anything new coming except for a movie every couple of years, but, I mean, Discovery's been on the air for three years, so they could have at least done something then, right? And Mm
1: -hmm. I think
0: this pandemic obviously has something to do with the fact that this is something that could have normally been done, like, I think what we're seeing now would have normally been done at the annual Star Trek Las Vegas convention, right? But we were talking about this last episode. Conventions are fine; they're fun, right? We I, we guess, but you begin to realize: do we really need such a big production for this kind of thing?
1: Exactly, and especially yeah. to use the Vegas one just doesn't really make any sense from a marketing perspective because right the Vegas one is closed down in a way that it's like it's a private company does it and they sort of keep things under wraps. Yeah, and I think. Where I expect it might go, which I think will make sense, is the Las Vegas the creation I think still does it, yep for seeing the enterprise cast reminisce, but I don't think they'll use them for big announcements anymore no I, I mean yeah
0: I mean, I think with conventions right and and moving this stuff to being online, yeah, the thing that you lose mostly is the in person aspect of it, right, like if you wanted to get an autograph from them, or if you wanted to get a photograph taken with a cast member, like, obviously you don't have that. They're kind of curbing that for some of these, where, like, they do these online events, and you can have, like, a five-minute Zoom call with, like, Doug Jones, which is cool, right? But even then, you're thinking, like, oh, I'd still like to meet him and just get my photo taken with him, though, right? So, but I'm hoping that this is the start of something. I mean, I know that all these different franchises have been toying with this idea. I mean, DC recently did the Fandome event, which you kind of gave a little bit of a mixed review last time we were recording. Mm-hmm. But uh I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm...
1: I think this is a great way to go. And I really do think that the autograph thing when someday when the pandemic's over will still be there. Yeah. It just won't take the central um it won't be so central and I think that marketing wise like I said, it, I bet you they they were obviously so many more people probably tuned in at some point during the day today than would ever show up in Las Vegas. It's a a particular fan to go to Las Vegas.
0: And just because of the ease of the event, right? I mean, the convention exhibitors are probably freaking out at the moment because they're thinking like, oh, they're finished, right? (laughs) And you can still have conventions, I guess, but I think it's sort of like defining what is that sort of happy medium? What is that fine line? What can we do online? And then what can we... And how can that sort of... Interact with the convention in person um, aspect of it, right? So, and what can
1: we do for the ninety percent of our fans that won't go to Las Vegas, or ninety-nine percent of the fans right. that
0: won't go? Right, exactly, exactly. And, I mean,
1: because all you would see is the odd news article on a site, and like, oh, this is what happened at the panel, which it just doesn't seem like the best way to do it.
0: No, and real quick story. I remember going way back to two thousand five. I wasn't there for this, but there was an event... There was a Star Trek convention, I believe it was in Texas. Anybody listening who was there or maybe familiar with this, it was called FedCon. They, FedCon is mostly... It used to be like a European convention distributed like that organized a lot of Star Trek events and everything like that. And they tried to bring it over to the U.S. And they had a convention at some hotel in, again, I believe Texas. I don't think the turnout was that big. And... They actually canceled the event in the middle of the event, <laughs> right? So there was a video, wow. and so this this Q and A with John this Q and A with John Billingsley, Doctor Flox from Enterprise. Instead of it being a Q and A about the show and him, the show had just been canceled at that point. It was more about it was more the time was spent on the announcement that the um, convention was canceled and how they can best. Uh, sort of people can get their refunds and it was a video like of John Billingsley like John Billingsley was walking around with a mic handing it to people so they could ask questions the convention so they could ask questions the convention distributors right and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I remember there was one person who spoke up who was pissed about the whole thing anyway because she spent money to get there she said she spent like over three thousand dollars because I think she came from like Canada or something she said three grand just to get there yeah and, like, when you when you really think about the amount of money people spend, not just at the events themselves, but to actually get to these events, when you factor in plane, t- plane tickets, hotels, taxis, all that stuff, mm-hmm. moving this kind of thing online gets rid of that aspect of it.
1: Right. And like I said, though, there are people that, for them, that's very important. They want to see right. the people. They want to see their friends from it. They want to hang out. They want to drink at the hotel bar in of costume. Course. Of course. That's pretty great. Right. Yeah. Um so it'll still be there for people that want it.
0: Right. Right.
1: But, yeah, yeah, you make a good point. And particularly Star Trek, like I said, Star Trek, they, so much of it is handled by these other companies. And they, to I don't know how much Star Trek signs off on a lot of the things that happen at them. Right. Because there's a lot of goofy stuff. Like Klingon karaoke and whatnot. Yeah. There and really, I, we don't need that.
0: And I think for a lot of these, and, I, and I've, No I offense
1: think... to anyone who loves Klingon karaoke. Well,
0: and I think even before the COVID pandemic hit, right, I think a lot of these conventions, I think, I think CBS was like very slowly, I could be wrong, it was just, this is just an observation, but I think CBS was kind of slowly pulling away the convention distributors, because they were saying, no, we can do this ourselves, right, I know that like at New York, like at New York Comic Con, the CBS, CBS was hand, handled the events portion of that for them. They're like, no, we can we can take it. We don't need creation to do that for us. We can do that.
1: Yeah, right? and, and you get a better product that way. And the one that I point to is Star Wars Celebration. I mean, Star Wars didn't have Star Wars conventions, but then they started to do these Star Wars Celebrations, but they don't do them every year, and Lucasfilm is super involved in it, so everything is really, uh, you know, top-notch. There's not much filler in them.
0: Right. And I mean you had conventions where like Star Wars actors would appear, but it wasn't like a dedicated Star Wars convention. It was it was a it was, you know, like a general sci fi convention that like say like you know, the guy who played Admiral Akbar would appear in and tell, you know, all these really funny stories on stage or something like that, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But Sorry.
1: nine numb.
0: <laughs> all these funny all these funny anecdotes, right? So
1: Or, similar to Star Trek also, you'd have, like, you know, the guy who was wearing a rubber mask in the cantina for an hour once in 1976.
0: Yes. Or you said famously with me that long time ago, the guy who wore the Gorn suit, still doing the conventions for one day of work. Yeah. Good for him. Mm. Hey, you know, so every major Trek series pretty much got a panel today the only we just we didn't hear anything on section thirty one and we didn't hear <laughs> anything on the animated series or not the, well the Eminent series uh, 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 the upcoming know. the upcoming one on Nickelodeon prodigy right the Doesn't main focus problem. the main focus of these as far as the new content is concerned obviously discovery was front and center because the season premiere of that is imminent right mm-hmm But next to that, Strange New Worlds got a shit ton. So,
1: I think that was my favorite panel.
0: Same. But I think, let's discuss how we felt about Discovery. Because Discovery did exactly what I thought they were going to do. They were going to release a brand new trailer for Season 3. Which, I thought, because I remember saying, I think, a few podcasts ago, like, it's just weird we haven't seen a new trailer yet. Since it's so close. And then Mm -hmm. when... I got wind of the starter day. I thought to myself, okay, well, that's probably going to be the best time that they're going to show it, right? So,
1: mm-hmm. um, so, I don't have much to say about. It. Um, there's I thought just it was, seemed you know the pilot it looks interesting. We got a little more fleshed out. I think it just added to what I already expected from what we saw before and the rumors that we heard. Yeah, but it makes me more excited to see it. There's
0: just there's so much about that trailer to unpack. I don't think I'm going to be able to get to all of it. I will just say that the things that jumped out at me the most was I'll I'll point out these little these smaller things and then I'll and then I want to give like some thoughts on where I think discovery is sort of going as a whole. I have kind of a changed perspective on discovery at the moment and it's a good change and I mean that in a good way. Now I'm not going to start bashing things like the like a certain episode of the show. So Obviously, they arrive in the future, and we get a better sense of what the world of the future is like. And I mean, we're, we're pretty much right about what it was going to be, right? I mean, the Federation has—I uh, mean, this trailer kind of confirms that the Federation has sort of collapsed in on itself after a major event, which is called, which was called the Burn. Oddly enough, the Burn, and and, and she said, and Michael Burnham. And and, the and, I, that's, and
1: I, well, it's, and I had that
0: thought. I'm like the burn, Burnham. What? So
1: he <laughs> destroyed the everything also,
0: right? So it seems to be, and they they talked about this in the in the panel for discovery how the Federation was actually extremely prosperous. It wasn't like something happened to the Federation itself. It it, it was due to an event, and this event is called the burn. And I remember in the trail that Michael said, "What is that?" And he said, "The universe. It's the universe took too, took a hard left turn."
1: Yeah, which yeah, felt very which felt was, very uh,
0: political to me.
1: It, oh, right. Well, yeah. it was already as left as it could be. Um, right.
0: Oh well, the fact that they define it that way, yeah.
1: yeah. 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 Me too. But that is an expression. I you know. I thought about that. So I didn't they say a hard right turn? So I was like, that's not the express, expression. Is a hard left. turn. Yeah. Um, What's the difference? But I I don't know. Did you know? Okay, so I, I just thought, it felt, it felt to me like a, um, it reminds me of, you know how when, when we talked about um, uh, Strange New Worlds, and yeah. it felt like, no, no, not Strange New Worlds, the um, the third season of Discovery, when we first heard about it, and it sounded almost like the writers were reacting to every complaint by saying
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: they're like, oh, okay, you want it in the future? We're going to go into the future. Yeah. You know. Um,
0: It all seemed reactionary.
1: Yes, but when they kept saying, oh, no, no, it wasn't the the Federation didn't collapse. That felt like a reaction to the Picard uh, criticism. Because it seemed like they made a point to mention that a few times. No, no, no. no. The Federation was doing great. Everything was fine with the Federation. It's not their fault. Right. So that was just something
0: The thing that I wondered about, and this is going back to the first trailer that we saw for season three, when even though those words were not spoken, that it was heavily suggested that something happened. Because Book, Booker says to Michael Burnham, like, he suggests that that badge is a ghost. Her Starfleet badge is a ghost. So it clearly, like, that meant something. Mm-hmm. Starfleet is just a memory or whatever. And I thought to myself, and I think there was even some speculation about this around the time of Picard coming out when everyone was saying, or sort of misunderstanding it, as saying, oh, the Federation's corrupt, right? I think there was sort of this theory that was was what we saw in Picard, or even maybe going back earlier than that, was that kind of the early beginnings of what eventually we come upon in Discovery, right? Like, if, say, the Federation collapsed in on itself is this kind of where it begins and I, and I thought to myself like that would be kind of cool like but what if it went back a little further than that so when discovery disappeared right does that did discovery's disappearance initiate over the course of the next 930 years very slowly these events that eventually we see on discovery in, in the future, right? And I was trying to say, say to myself, well, you know, the Federation obviously seems prosperous in Kirk's time it seems prosperous in Picard's time. You do have the war on Deep Space Nine, which could maybe be a thing. I don't know. I was trying to, like, drive a spike through all of that and connect everything if I could. And
1: I don't but know. It the, seems like it's more akin to an asteroid that took out the dinosaurs Yeah, than it is. Anything it seems structural it's, about the organization.
0: Right, it seems like something that was more of an event, maybe more almost like a nine eleven type of thing, right? I know that we, I know they talk about like the Zindiac and Enterprise being the nine eleven event of the franchise, but like something so cataclysmic, right? Like, in other words, the Federation maybe can't handle everything,
1: right? Yeah, I, my theory is this: I think it will be a quote unquote natural disaster but mainly because I think that simplifies it a bit. Yeah. And also it can be a parable for climate change and, and all that, where it sort of is a, uh, you know, you, you can't control nature, be it on Earth or in space. Right. See, and this is, the
0: way I'm looking at it is, you know, obviously Star Trek has always been political and it's always meant to comment on today's politics and or just the state of the world in general. And... I kind of feel like that's what this season is doing, right? And and I'm not saying it's the way, you know, the United States is right now. It's just the world right now is not in good shape. And it's almost like humanity has forgotten who they are in a lot of ways, right? We're reverting back to some of our ugly, ugliest tendencies. And it seems as if, like, The way I'm looking at it, and maybe this is the direction they want to take, they're trying to take with the show, with the season, Discovery is kind of that reminder of who they used to be. And Mm -hmm. I think I may have discussed this on an earlier podcast, but Discovery is sort of like the reminder of who they once were, and that we need to, this is who we need to be again. Right?
1: Yeah. I think to, uh, to quote Ronald Reagan, who was quoting I think John Winthrop, the first governor of Massachusetts. Yeah. Dark fleet is the shining city on the hill. Right. That everyone can look to as the example of a of positive and good way to live.
0: Right. Exactly. And like, even though the federation isn't the way it is in this in this future because of itself, it's because of some natural disaster. You know, maybe the aftermath of this whole thing. Think of it sort of like, you know, is it is it similar to the destruction of Romulus, right? Like, what was sort of the immediate aftermath of that? Did the Romulans run around trying to figure, they just didn't know what to do with themselves, and they had no guidance, they had no nothing? Like, what happens when your leader is killed, right? And you don't know what to do. And you've got your army sort of running Ooh. around, like, as if their heads have been cut off. Like, who do we do what do
1: is right. that the Especially mo- when for the Romney ones, all you have left is your secret organization. You, it's like having the CIA left only after right. America fell, and we only have the CIA.
0: And is that yeah. is that the future we're going to be seeing on Discovery? Like, I'll be I'll be really interested to know whatever this sort of burn event is that they're talking about. How much time has passed since then? What I mean, obviously, what is the burn? Feel the burn. Um, and what is sort of like the aftermath of it all? And so, yeah, I mean, I like the idea that that's potentially what Discovery and the crew are going to be. They're going to be the reminders of who they, of who they used to be. And it's up to them to sort of like get everything together and kind of figure this out. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be great, and it looks like maybe they're going to meet some like-minded people that are kind of trying to hold together the stability of yeah what once was, rather than it seems like maybe the barbarism, like a Mad Max galaxy or something.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, so totally. I think, um, I think yeah, I think that's a great idea for uh, um, a Star Trek. You know, it's almost like you have to rebuild what was once was what once was
0: right. Which yeah, and I and I like what Michael says in the trailer. She says the federation is not just ships. It's it's the people. It's people. Right? Mm-hmm. And I just feel like there's so much to unpack just in that one line because you can apply that to like there's things in the real world you can apply that to. I mean, I could even apply that to Star Trek itself, right? Like the franchise itself. Like the franchise is not just a bunch of you know, television shows sci-fi shows, right? It's it's much more than that. Like it's 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 the themes of the franchise.
1: Hmm. Right? What I wish that she had said though was federation is not the ships, it, it's the the ideals. Yeah. You know? Cause I, I mean cuz I think yeah. But I'm sure she can't meant that. It's like people believing in these ideas I, of equality. And I think that's what she's progress. suggesting.
0: I think that's what she's yeah. suggesting. Yeah.
1: I yeah, I, mean, I really like that because um, you know, I do teach a course about American ideals hmm. really hit hard on the idea that America is these beliefs and they don't, America doesn't always live up to the beliefs like equality and justice for all and egalitarianism. But um, yeah. those beliefs are America more than a flag or uh, uh, landmass is.
0: And, and I have to say this right before we move on to the next thing. I have this sort of renewed interest in Discovery now, Be- I was thinking about this over the last couple of days, right? And and this trailer like pretty much confirms it for me. Like, of course, I'm very excited, right? And I want to see where the show is going to go. And I realized the other day kind of where I'm at, where I was at with this. So when Discovery first came on, and even going into the second season, I think I mentioned this during one of our second season episode podcast recordings. Do you remember when I said? I felt like I looked at the show too much from the fan lens and not for what it was. I I was more con- I was more concerned about here's what I want the show to do, to be, but I wasn't seeing it for what it actually was doing.
1: I do remember you saying that. I never thought but, it 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 caused you to to give, you know, poor analysis or anything. I thought you always No, no, no. So, good analysis. But I do remember that. I think
0: so you know we can be hot on Discovery from time to time, but again, it's warranted in my opinion. It's, not, it's never like out of malice or like, you know, we, hate, we don't hate the show, right? If we yeah. hated the show, we wouldn't be doing a podcast well, let's, about let's
1: it. the evidence presented to us and we make a right. A and so,
0: you remember when they jumped to the future, right? I, in that recap episode we did, I was mad Because we were talking about how them going into the future, as you were saying earlier, seemed reactionary. And I remember talking in that episode we were recording about saying, I hate that they did that because I felt like the show was set at a really pivotal point in the Star Trek franchise where there was just such great story-mining material... story-material possibilities. There was so much they could mine. And they, di- and they did some of it, right? They brought on Harry Mudd. They developed Captain Pike. And look, I realized that's not what Discovery is supposed to be about. Bring those characters on so long as it makes sense. But they were in an era of the Trek franchise that just had such a rich story material. Right? Potential great story material. But I realized... Now that we have this Captain Pike show, I'm totally fine with it because I realized I thought to my, I said to myself, "That's what I that's that's the show I wanted. That's what I ultimately that's what I wanted to see." I was happy yeah. that Discovery was set at that time because it gave, it brought up the possibility that they could do something like that, even though that wasn't the main thrust of the show. But there was always the I, the possibility that like, hey, we could bring the Enterprise in. You could see Captain Pike in number one. That's so, whether what at.
1: you're getting now, you're getting, <clears throat> to use a is the best of both worlds, because I mean, you're getting the original series era show that you wanted, right, and you're getting Discovery going in a new, an interesting direction. I, and the thing is, I wasn't too keen on the idea of them going to
0: the future anyway. I just thought to myself, as long as you tell me a good story, that's fine. I don't care what the show is at. But now, like now, this now Discovery now that Discovery has kind of freed itself from that and Strange New Worlds is going to be sort of picking up where they left off in a way. That level of judging of resentment toward Discovery is now gone. <laughs> Which,
1: Here's I mean, my thought on I don't
0: know if that's a bad way of looking at it, but like, yeah.
1: I don't think that the resentment ever colored your viewing of it too much. Yeah. So I was really bummed about how they went into the future. But, yeah. Now that I see what they're doing with the fact that they're in the future, yep. I'm pretty excited because I think they're, it's a really interesting idea. So I almost... I'm not going to dwell so much on the fact that I didn't love how they got there and why they got there. They're there, yep. and they seem to be setting up an interesting story, so I'm excited. No, agreed.
0: And I think that if... Because, as I was saying, like ultimately it was a Captain Pike show that I wanted. I wanted it in a way and just maybe... I don't want to say I didn't realize it, but had the had the Pike show not been announced, right? I can say I probably would have been watching season three with a little bit of a little bit of resentment because so I would have been just way way in the back of my head. It would have been like you didn't have to do this, you didn't have to come here. Like I don't think anything would have made me forget. Like I'm still angry at you for going into the future when you didn't have to, <laughs> right? And I'm sorry, like that's a terrible, terrible way as a fan of looking at it, right? I think it's just you know people have everyone has a great idea. everyone has an idea of what the kind of story they want to see, right? And I thought that they at the time robbed themselves of utilizing that era by le- by going into the going into the future. Now, maybe that maybe that thought of mine would have changed once I began to watch season three, and I would have been like, okay, never mind, it's fine but yeah i think i i think i still would have been a little upset
1: right well thankfully we don't have to be
0: yeah oh but really quickly on one more yeah. thing on season 3 of discovery so i don't know if you did you see this so the new character book booker has a cat
1: i did see this he has a maine coon which is like my favorite the, type of cat but not the largest cat in star trek history because there was a larger one on the original series
0: though. correct cats paw Right. But that, I that, I mean...
1: Coon, you, it's true. Kevin talks about main Coons a lot.
0: Yeah, I don't have any pets, and so I always have these, like, fantasies of pets. I mean, I like Shiba Inu dogs. I like, you know, you have pet rats that I'm in love with. But yeah. I always said if I ever were to get a cat, I'd want to get a main Coon. Maine Coons are amazing.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, and as soon as I saw it in the trail, I'm like, I'm like, oh my... And before they even, like, said anything, I'm just like, holy shit, that's a main Coon. He's got a main Coon. This is amazing.
1: Well, now you have more reason to get a main Coon.
0: Yeah. So... And I will say, just to kind of wrap up, I'm sorry I cut off your segue, um, okay. my hope is that with season three of Discovery, they finally sort of figured out, and and this is just based on the trailer that I've seen today, it seems to me that they have sort of a clear direction of what they want to do, and I'm hoping that th- that this is the season where the show really kind of finds itself and becomes like the show because in a way I feel like we're almost getting a new show right and my hope is that with this upcoming season they finally sort of hit it because you've heard me say it feels like that show has sort of suffered from identity crisis over the last couple of years so I'm hoping that this is kind of it this is the season where the show where where like years from now everybody says yeah Star Trek Discovery you got to watch it it gets good in season three like that's when the show gets good like, I'm hoping, I'm hoping this is that moment for the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, we would be watching it happen live, so it's harder to to notice, you know, because when you're watching it in on you know, streaming, when it's, um, you know, it gets good in season three, that's like a couple days away, but for us it's years. Right.
0: Right. So, who knows, a decade from now, when the show is done... And Strange New Worlds is on like season eighteen. Um, we will. Uh, I'm hoping that Discovery will end up being a great Trek show in the long run. And we tell people when we watch it. Yep, it gets starting with season three. It's when the show. It's when the show gets really good. That's only. That's my
1: hope. So speaking of Strange New Worlds, mm-hmm. it didn't fit as well, but we'll go with it like this was the one I think we both felt most um, you know excited about and yeah. happy about after seeing it.
0: Agreed. Um everything they talk about on this show so far leading up to it they're saying all the right things.
1: Yeah, almost incredibly so.
0: Yeah. That you're kind of like, okay, when are they gonna when are they gonna disappoint me? Right.
1: Right. Or <laughs> yeah. did they just like, log into the chat rooms and see what the right things to say are? Like, is it suspiciously perfect-sounding? Well, I was really...
0: I was really struck by, in the beginning, when they talked about... when they were talking to Akiva Goldsman, and how he joined Discovery basically on the idea that he thought it was a, a Captain Pike show, when it really wasn't. And... he sort of... um... Made it sort of his own personal mission while being there to get those adventures on the screen. So they, you know, they were clearly thinking about this as far back as season one of the show.
1: Hmm. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if that had to do with the split and the Brian Fuller departure.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm sure we'll know more as the. Uh When when we get those strange strange new world Blu-rays, you know, three years from now.
1: Or the book. When the book comes out, the tell-all by someone.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah, this was a great panel. This was a really good panel. Um, What were some of the things about it that jumped out at you the most? Um, Um,
1: Some that I thought were really, really exciting. Uh, So I'll start with one that stuck out. I think that uh, Ethan Peck's preparation. Yeah. Um, I'm very impressed with yeah he's watching a lot of the original series he read I am Spock and I am not Spock the two Nimoy books he's been reading a lot of just like a sampling of um, old ancient philosophy and different philosophies just because um, I think that's brilliant because a lot of volcanism comes from a lot of these different philosophies so I think that's great and it just seems like he really is taking it seriously. And he, unlike um, Zachary Quinto, who actually had Nimoy there to sort of give him the blessing, uh, Ethan Peck doesn't have that. So he, it really seems as though he's taking it on himself to make sure that he does the work so that, um, you know, the legacy will endure and, and he will bring as much of Nimoy into it as he can. I
0: think so many things about this panel jumped out at me. And while we didn't get too much beyond what we knew already, we got some new nuggets, some new teases, but a lot of it was a reinforcing of what we already knew about the show, but going into like a bit of a deeper dive behind it, right? I mean, I loved how Again, to completely stress the point how they wanna do episodic shows that the only sort of, that really one of the few aspects of it that's gonna be a continual story arc are the character character arcs right although despite that, they made some suggestion that the season is going to kind of build to something in the background, which I thought was very which I thought was intriguing,
1: yeah, I kinda like that because. I think it will be nice to have some continuity, but making it a sort of a minor part of it. Right. It kind of goes back to that old classic way of doing these type of shows. I'm thinking of the Files, maybe where Yeah. You had like the case of the week, but then you had the overarching mystery that was sort of would be revealed little by little. But it was mostly about the monster of the week or the situation.
0: Right, like I, I remember, like what you know, growing up watching the Next Generation in the early years of Deep Space Nine before Deep Space Nine started telling arc-based stories, and then even on Voyager, knowing that they were sort of that they were self-contained stories, and I knew that watching it, I didn't even think about it not being an arc-based things. TV didn't really do that much at the time, and that's not where my head was. I remember always thinking about. Whenever, like, I'd watch a Next Generation episode, and I'd watch, it'd be like a season six episode or something like that, and one of the characters makes references to an event that happened in, like, the second season, and they're referencing, like, a specific episode, I was always like, hey, that's kind of cool, because a lot of times they'd reference something that happened that was not in an episode, it was just something that happened off screen, like, you know, a long time ago. But when they specifically say reference the time, like, oh, when Picard was captured by the Borg, or, like, when. I always thought that was really cool because I loved how it just showed that continue that it showed you that continuity, and yeah,
1: yeah. And it's great to be like on the in, you know. When you right. Hear those things, but no longer, I would feel like, well, like I know this world because yeah. I know what they're talking. about.
0: Correct. Yeah. It, it, the other thing about this panel that jumped out at me, among many, was I love the idea that they talk about how. Pike and number one are kind of these parental figures on the ship, and Spock is the younger Spock right like he's not he's not yet the Spock that we see in the original series or we see in the films and we and we've we've seen this done in the abrams films right but granted that's a that's a that's a different universe what the Abrams films don't have is there's no number one that we see in the abrams films right and the short track Q and A goes into this a little bit when Number One and Spock are stuck in the turbo lift. I love how what they seem to be doing is Number One is sort of the one responsible for Spock being the Starfleet officer that he eventually becomes on the original series. Like she's somebody who had, an in, who had a very important influence on him early in his career. She kind of molded him.
1: Yeah, she sort of gave him this guidance on how to kind of balance himself in in a command type of position. Right, very important.
0: Right, and I love that that's that kind of that that's being suggested that that's one of the things that they're going to be doing. Because don't forget, in the original series, Spock is, I mean, Leonard Nimoy of course was the breakout star, right, and Spock became this very very popular character. But at this point in the sort of franchise history, right? I mean, granted, you can't, you have to factor out the real world for a second here. Like, Spock is not that Spock yet, right? Like, he's. So, if, like, in other words, if I'm thinking of the show, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and the order of the cast is being billed, like, Ethan Peck's probably going to come third. He's not going to come second. Rebecca Romain's right. probably going to come second.
1: Right.
0: Right? Like, Spock's not the main. He's going to be a. Heavy focus, obviously.
1: Yeah, but I actually, yeah. it goes to what they said, um, which is sort of funny. But they said how this is the longest um, pilot to series pickup in television history. Yeah, saying that the cage was the pilot for this series because in that show you really in that, in that episode you really did get the sense that Spock was the number three very much. Right, he was sort of like oh the weird alien guy, but it did seem to be more about um, number one and Pike. So I think that that is interesting to almost take it back to that. Plus, he's not as accomplished as he is in-universe as he is when we see him, especially even beyond the, the original series, but after that. And so I think we know that he has Pike's complete trust. Yep. Which is big, but it's gonna be interesting to kind of see him turn into the stock that we know, perhaps
0: right, yeah, totally, and you would mention this before we began recording. You liked that they that specific question was asked about sort of the the original series aesthetic coming into play as the show evolves
1: over time, yeah, they're using design elements from the sixties, yeah. It was cool, and I hope that they took a trip to um upstate New York to Ticonderoga at some point, right, to really immerse themselves in the original set <laughs>
0: <laughs> or just film there in general, right um, yeah, I, like I'm hearing everything they talk about on the show it's like like, you know, yeah, sign me up. I mean, I've been waiting for the show for twenty years, like this is the truck show that i this is the trek show that I've wanted for so long. And this was a, this was the trek show I didn't realize I wanted until the second season of Discovery came about, right? And I think like I know we've discussed this on past podcasts discussing the what the potential this show could bring, and even though from a Star Trek perspective, it's not going to be doing anything new, right it's not going to be anything that we haven't seen on other shows, right? The way the show is structured, right? They're going to do the Alien of the Week, the Planet of the Week, right? But right. given that the other Trek shows that are on the air, I mean, well, Lower Decks, I guess, but Discovery and Picard are not doing that. And so even though Strange New Worlds may be going back to the basics, it's still refreshing within the kind of landscape, current landscape of Star Trek shows that are on the air right now.
1: Definitely. And I think that the thing that they're going to do that I think is going to make it really, really exciting is they're going to take the situation of the week, but they're putting a real emotional heft into it, it seems. Yeah. Especially what um, Anson Mount said about how he knows how he's going to die, what's going to happen to him, and he has a decision to make. Does he take the promotion that he knows will in some way lead to him and his horrible death? Right. and what is it that makes him still do that, despite all the horrors that await him? So I think adding that Monster of the Week with the emotional depth and the like, more modern kind of character character development, I think, could be super exciting and really, really good.
0: Yeah, and what was that thing that they had said? Um, number one's background that Rebecca Romaine had mentioned... I was extremely intrigued when Rebecca Romaine had mentioned that, I mean, she didn't go into detail, obviously, but that number one has a sort of mind-blowing backstory. This is a character, obviously, between the three of them, has been developed the least. And so, I mean, that story could be anything, right? I, I, I Getting right. to know what number one's backstory is, is just, it's so exciting to me to learn yeah. what that could be.
1: And she mentioned that it was really surprising to her, and so obviously she obviously she's taking this role very seriously. She's thought about the character a lot, right, so that's even more exciting for us than it's exciting for her
0: yeah absolutely and and like again, I know I've stressed this point so many times as we've talked about the show, but the idea that we're able to get an entire series dedicated to literally just exploring the era in which captain Pike commanded the Enterprise, I mean, you and I had talked about, after Discovery went to the future, like, and this is before the show was announced, right, after Discovery went to the future, if they did do a Captain Pike show, would that show suffer from the same perceived issues we thought they they were having with canon in the second season of Discovery, hence why they went to the future, right? And... I remember I kind of pushed back on that a little bit because I said, well, I feel like that's an issue that they made for themselves on Discovery, but at the same time, if they're just strictly doing a show about exploration, yes, there are things that you can't do. I mean, obviously you can't you know, destroy the Earth or that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, or find species that or planets that you know were discovered later.
0: Correct. It, it, same thing that they did on Enterprise, right? The exact same things there. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're out, they would be out in space exploring, right? Maybe not to the home base all that often. They probably wouldn't be back to Earth at all, right? Like I said, they could do. I mean, having to steer clear of the things that we just mentioned, maybe a couple in a couple other things, but more or less.
1: You no, know, you can sneak things in if you want to. Like you the can board on Enterprise.
0: You can sneak. I mean, it's it, granted you are kind of walking a little bit of a fine line, right? So there are things that you need to avoid because canon dictates, you know, we can't see this species until the next generation, right? But at the same time, you can't introduce too many new things because then the idea is, well, how come we never saw this on the next generation? Or how come we never saw this on the
1: Right. Although to be fair, think about all the things we saw in the original series that we never saw. Again. It's true. It's true. And, I also and like 85% but five percent of everything we saw we never saw again.
0: That's and that's the safer route, right? Even though you could say, "Well, how come?" Right? But like, I mean, we never saw the gangs of Chicago on Next Generation. We never saw. It's almost as if Next Generation exists and does not exist in the same world as the original series in some ways.
1: Right. We never saw the Q continuum in the um, right original series. We never saw Abraham Lincoln.
0: So, or, like,
1: no salt vampires. But
0: I also say to myself, it's a big galaxy.
1: Exactly. Picard goes each this minute. way, Pike went that way, right? You know, and, like, it's... each planet is going to probably have its own unique, and different type of life. Right. And society and everything. So, I, I, yeah, there are lots of stars. I think it's... well, In it more sense, you wouldn't see a lot that you already know. And that's one of those things that...
0: And granted, that's the thing that they were trying to address by propelling Discovery into the future. But the thing that I kept pushing back on is saying, well like I just said it's a big universe okay there's more than f- 6 ships in starfleet right mm-hmm. kirk's not sitting at his desk scrolling through a starship catalog saying what the hell happened to this ship who's that was that
1: yeah but yeah, yeah. the and, real and if they if they already explored a planet or a solar system they don't have to go explore it again they've already found it
0: right and of course you can also combat that with the real world answer being well the show was just produced first that show was just produced first. Like, you know, and that's sort of my, that's my issue with my fellow Trek fans in a lot of ways. Like, they just, they get prickly with things like that when, like, really it's like, guys, Archer was never mentioned before either.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, well, that, what do I you think? Though,
1: that's, that, that's always the tough thing because, as we just mentioned before, we like it when we know something about the universe. Yeah. So I think when fans get prickly, it's just you're almost t- you, they feel I think that that's being taken away from them.
0: I think fans want everything. They just they want everything so lined up and just so, which I think is ridiculous, right? Like I
1: think it's very hard to write a show if everything fit with everything only things that have already existed. You wouldn't have enough room to be creative.
0: Like and and. And granted, that's why the Abram, the first Abram's film, gets out of that universe and sets it in an alternate reality, which I thought was a brilliant move. Because when when it was, before we knew it was an alternate reality, I don't even think we knew it was an alternate reality until we saw the movie. I don't even think it was revealed beforehand. When conversations about that movie were being talked about online, about how it's this prequel about Kirk and Spock, everyone was saying like, well, are you going to show Kirk on the Farragut? Are you going to show Carol? Ma-? And I'm just going like, no, they're not going to show any of that. <laughs> like I didn't even see the movie. I didn't even have any inside information on any of that.
1: because <laughs> yeah, that doesn't me, make for an exciting movie. Hemmed in. What? By that, they're not going to be let themselves be hemmed in by, right? You we know, don't that on the show before. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, even George Lucas didn't let what he wrote, what he himself wrote, hem him in on the prequels. And he wrote it all, and yeah. yet he didn't even feel the need to follow what he had written before. Because he had a story to tell, and he wanted to make it the best story he could tell.
0: Right. And I remember thinking, that shouldn't make, that shouldn't, you shouldn't shy away from doing a prequel for that reason. Right? You, I mean, I don't, and the thing is, I don't think that that film, I don't know we're getting a little off track of it, I don't think that film gets enough credit for doing that the well, fact think, that it think, just decoupled itself from canon right.
1: to but tell it its did own story, it in story,
0: it made sense.
1: And by having it be Nimoy be as the bridge, I mean, how much did that like the goodwill that Nimoy bring? Right, right? they were right. brilliant. They hit. Right. They did. They did the impossible, really. And a lot of it was, I think, Nimoy. Oh yeah, like yeah, he's the one who sells it. We believe it's Star Trek when Nimoy is involved. Like, you don't even have to try that. Huh? You just put him in. Yeah, you needed,
0: you needed that link to bridge those two universes together, right? And, yeah, it made sense in-universe. It made sense in storyline. And I got to tell you, like, I've never heard Trek fans complain about that aspect of the movie. I, I've seen Trek fans who just don't like that movie, and that's fine. But I've never seen any of them, like criticize it criticize that aspect of that film
1: right
0: because to our point it makes sense in the storyline to do that so and that's and I think in strange when they do this when they do when we explore the world of strange new worlds like having have had two prequel shows behind us now I think conversations like this shouldn't even really be happening anymore because it's like, you know, it's going to fit in fine, okay? Quit asking the questions, well, how come we never heard of this species again on Next Generation on that species again? It's like, because... Because it, yeah. Next Generation was produced first, that's why. Because we, we don't have a time machine. Yeah, That's, that's it. Yeah.
1: If the anything, one you're one expanding the universe. Actually, interestingly, the one that I do sort of have a problem with but I'm glad that I saw some of them today. Was the Andorians because I feel we haven't seen enough of the Andorians, right? But, but to go, go back a little bit, the Discovery trailer had some, so that's uh-huh. exciting.
0: And they looked a little. They some of them looked a little scruffy. Actually, they look real
1: scruffy. Like yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So
1: like, I, I wouldn't mess with. I wouldn't mess with them anyway. But I wouldn't definitely wouldn't mess with those ones.
0: So I would say of all the panels that, I mean, we still have to talk about the Vakad one briefly, but um, and the lower Decks one. I think Strange New Worlds was my favorite, and not because, well, actually, yeah, because because that's the show I want the most, right? But at the same time, the people behind that show are speaking to me. They're saying all the right things. They're saying all the things that I want to hear and that I want to see in a Pike show. And I think right now, it's heading in the right direction.
1: Totally. And the one thing I didn't mention yet, but they said is that they want to use it to talk about the world around us, but in an allegorical sense, not like metaphorical and allegorical, not directly. Yeah. Which I think is always what Star Trek has done well. Yep. And I've already seen some people saying um, that, you know, oh, they're talking too much about Trump. And it's like, no, they said the world today. They kept saying. Didn't say the US. Yeah, we have a pandemic happening. I mean that also because they kept saying, you know, like the the world needs this positivity right now. Yeah. Yeah, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Oh god.
0: I should have wrote down that quote. Akiva Goldsman, I forget what he said something to the effect of he compared like the state of the world today to the to what it was in the original series in the sixties and he said something like
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, we're I kind mean, of it's as messed up as it was maybe when the original series was around. Which is true because you look at nineteen sixty eight And there was protesting, there was um, protesters being shot, there was the 1968 Democratic Convention in Chicago, the police cracked down hard on those protesters, and the anti-Vietnam movement, and the state with protesters Mm -hmm. getting shot. So in that direct way, yes, that is more about the politics of the U.S. today. I, I agree. I think he makes a good point.
0: Yeah, he said like, what do you say? Like we're on the same level. Like we're, it's exactly the same. He said something to that effect. I, I don't remember exactly what he said.
1: Yeah, something like we we haven't had things be as like tough as they are right now in the world, except maybe when the original series was around.
0: Which is yeah, terrible. and it's but, so yeah. weird, right? It's Star such Trek's a, always
1: been political, so it's fine.
0: And it's such a weird parallel. Like you're doing a story about Spock, the Enterprise, in 2020, 2021 and it's paralleling sort of the day in which the original series is on the air as well it's it's very very it's very very odd to me yeah when you when you really stop to think about that so and and i mean you know that stuff because you're a history teacher right i mean I, I wouldn't say that i'm too up on my history from that time but it's things like that that maybe the average viewer like maybe of my age or younger who loves the original series doesn't realize may not realize that that's what was going on at the time they i mean they'll realize it like through like documentaries and whatnot but like, I'm not watching the original series because it was a mirror for what was happening in the 1960s. Because I didn't know what was going on in the 1960s. Cause I wasn't born yet, right? It's only after the fact that I knew have
1: that. What? And your history teachers have failed. Me. No,
0: they they didn't fail me. I failed me.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I fingers crossed. I think I think I think we're in store for a really uh, for a really great show once it finally gets there. So. Um, moving on really quick, because there, there wasn't much to talk about. Uh, the Picard panel, which was like a de facto next generation panel as well. Um, I mean, it was fine. The, 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 they mostly talked about, I mean, Will Wheaton mostly talked with Stuart and, uh, Jonathan Briggs about their chemistry. i never heard
1: Johnny before.
0: Yeah, I don't think I have either. Um, the thing, of course, that obviously jumped out at me because they didn't really—they were only—they they only broached the subject of season two of Picard briefly. Uh, but Patrick Stewart had said that the first four episodes were unlike anything he's ever read.
1: Yeah, which—I
0: mean, that could be anything. It wasn't anything on that. There was no meat on that point for us to speculate on.
1: But no, he but did say though that also the character development and the characterizations were like top-notch and stellar. So that's yeah. positive. Here, I would say to kind of... unlike not like anything Star Trek you've seen before, I think he said, too. Yeah. Which, so that's, yeah. So that's interesting. And I, I, I mean, think Picard has been a lot of things you've never seen on Star Trek, so I'm glad they're going to continue in that.
0: I, I would say, I mean, to kind of bring it back to you when we were doing the season two speculation, right? Like, I mean, we've gotten... There's no hints as to where the show is going to go, right? There's none the only thing we can sort of hope for at this point is that it deals with any fallout from the events of the first season. But, again, we don't know where they're going in Season 2. No. And is, I mean, it's kind of a hard question to ask, because I really, I really wouldn't be able to answer it either, but is there anything you would want to see next season?
1: I think there's a few things that you sort of I think would have to do. Yeah. One is the reintegration of, um, you know, the artificial life into the federation. Yep. And maybe I would like to see some kind of fallout in Starfleet for allowing a Romulan operative to get so high,
0: even yep. if
1: it was only. The two of them still—it's pretty, pretty big lacks of security. Right, right. Um, I would, I would want to see the developing relationship between Soji and uh, Picard. Mm. And as I mentioned, that I hope to see is I want to see Picard take on an important role, given that he has been human, he has been Borg, and now he is, um, you know, cyborg. No, not cyborg. Um, what do you call them? Borg. No, he's been human, oh, he's oh, been that, Borg.
0: Oh, that's right, he's... um. Android, Android. Android, yeah. that's right. Oh, that's right. I forgot he's about he's that.
1: All three. <laughs> the only, he's the only being that has been all three.
0: Yeah, so I think... Plot-wise, I have no idea. Right? But as far as character growth is concerned, Picard and Soji are kind of in the same boat, right? I mean, Picard obviously was a human. Now he's a synth. Soji thought she was a human, but now she's actually a synth.
1: Oh, that's That's a good good point. point. So,
0: what is... Kind of like with Captain Pike, knowing his fate, right? How is this going to inform... And even going to Discovery with Saru, when he, um... Uh, Went through the um, God, I wish get the name of that. When he lost his, yeah, like yeah, um, given that these big transformational changes in these characters, how is that going to inform where they go, and even as as actors, how you know how they play them? Um,
1: Right. Yeah. Here's a here's a big question, right? So we know what it's like when we sit and, you know, when we're sort of absent-minded and just thinking about whatever, not doing anything in particular. Yeah. Is that going to feel the same for Picard being right, a man right now? Or is that going to feel totally different? Is he going to be a fundamentally the same? Or is he going to be, like, a program, a Picard emulator almost?
0: Yeah. That's... And I mean, I remember they went into that. They, they. I mean, not that directly, but I remember, like in the finale, he he said something about like, "So am I going to live forever now?" And they said, mm-hmm.
1: "No." Yeah, we programmed you to age and die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah.
0: But programmed. Yeah, I'm assuming it, that yeah, could be reprogrammed.
1: Right. Yeah, or they could just download them into a you know a better uh, younger body. Right. But I wonder what it like feels like, like when he drinks a cup of um, Earl Grey hot. Is that gonna yeah. taste? You gonna feel the same? Is you gonna get the same pleasure from having it? All those things. Yeah. So I, I,
0: I again, while I can't make any, I, I could speculate till I'm blue in the face about where they could go with the plot. But again, there's no meat on that bone for me to, for me to even make any guesses. They, they could do anything at this point for all for all I know.
1: Yeah, but so you I can, think it's good to look at like the big ideas and hanging threads well that's
0: that's really all we can do and I think we can at least speculate on the most important aspects of that of any Star Trek show and that's where the character's going right and given what happened with Picard given what Soji now knows yeah how does that inform the character's decisions Next season, right? Yeah, um,
1: I think we will getting a cop out to have it just be okay. We gave Picard a new body; he's going to die at the same time. He's pretty much just Picard. Let's just move on.
0: Well, and that's what I was going to say. I, 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 my hope is, is is that sort of the I'm hoping that's a main thrust of the season, right? Like I'm hoping that that's sort of the main character theme for him that season is him yeah. dealing with... I don't want him to just get a new body and then forget about it. Right. Right. But I also
1: don't want to see him struggling... No. Know, with grips with it and having mental breakdowns and whatnot. I think... I, sort of want to, I also want to see him use his role for something important.
0: I think what I would like to see, is, again, It's it's finding that balance. What is that kind of... How do you do it in a subtle way, but it's not too much, right? Like, yeah... Kind of like, it's like when Luke lost his hand in Empire Strikes Back, right? Wasn't there a moment in Jedi I can't remember, but like where he kind of took a second to look at his artificial hand, almost like almost as if to remind himself, like, yeah, this isn't really my hand. Wasn't it like a moment yeah, where like he just it also to at remind it? him of like, yeah, you will
1: become like your father if you continue, like. That. Yeah, I'll I'll go even one more intense. There's a great novel I read that was set right after Episode Three, and it's Vader in his suit, just adjusting to like, okay, I was just a regular human, and now I'm yeah, uh, you know, part machine, part human, and him just dealing with what all that meant for me.
0: Yeah, so it's like, I think it's moments like that that I'd want to see. On this show with Picard. But the last one to cover is the lower decks panel because we got to see a trailer. So, as we mentioned in our recording for episode 5 last week, we're now at the halfway point of season 1 and we got a trailer for the remainder of the season. And lo and behold, a familiar face popped up, and that is Q.
1: Which is very exciting and I think Q matches the show because that trailer was appropriately Madcap. And Wasn't Q it? is also appropriately Madcap.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean they'd said they'd said a while ago that they hinted at that we could see legacy characters on the show. So
1: uh, a great legacy character to have.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if that's the one that's coming up this week or so we'll have to see.
1: It seemed like a lot, probably the rest of the season.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: it, it, it actually it makes me think of um, one quote that the I think it was the creator said, where he said we sort of get to do the last of the 90s era Trek shows. Yeah, and what an appropriate way to bring Q into it. Yep, one of the you know icons of the 90s era Trek.
0: And of course, like it speaks to the point I made, where like if they, I mean, it wasn't any sort of like great. Uh, thought, But it was like, yeah, I mean, if you bring in legacy characters, all you need is their voice. Mm-hmm. So John Delancey's back, and I, I will be... And I think what's great about this is that I feel like Q, just given the comic nature of the character... I'll be really it'll be I think it'll be really funny to see how he fits into that. I feel like it's like a perfect place to bring Q, just the way that show is,
1: yes, because yeah. it's almost like the thing that made him so great on next gen is because um Picard was such a serious fuddy duddy right he was like a light hearted you know trickster, right, so I think it be interesting here where a lot of the people there are kind of like especially Mariner is, like, equally as much of a trickster, almost, as Q. If she had the power of Q, she would probably act like Q. So, it'll be interesting to see those two. It's almost
0: like, and the thing is, it's almost like if he goes there, at least with Mariner, Q likes to bother people. And I feel like he's not going to get, he's not going to be bothering them. I mean, I could see see him annoying the shit out of uh, Boimer and obviously the yeah. senior staff. But Mariner's like, just going to roll with it. Mariner's just going to roll with it. Exactly exactly right.
1: Which could leave Q exasperated. <laughs> right,
0: and that, that's what I'm saying. Like Q likes to go places where like somebody where somebody is his foil, and if you go to the Cerritos, he's going to be down one foil in in Mariner. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, or maybe the Cerritos is so chaotic that he, he will... Just get wrapped up in the chaos, or not even be able to bring any more chaos because it's already
0: unmatched. yeah, 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 totally. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be great, and I'm glad that he's gonna I'm glad he's gonna be there. I, I'm 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 hoping obviously this season that we're gonna see more legacy characters because the show basically prides itself on just throwing in references left and right, and. I know that a lot of Trek fans, just from what I've seen people comment online, they they don't like that. They think it's too much, but I think honestly, like at this point, that's just part of the fun of the show. Is I'm just throwing in names left and right. Right? And just events left and right. And so I'm fine with that because it's a show that's not meant to take itself too seriously in that sense. So whatever, just kind of have at it. I mean, it's not like they're done in poor taste. They're funny when they do them.
1: Definitely. Well, one interesting thing I learned from the panel is that uh, the vo- I did not know that the voice of um, uh, Boimler was Jack Quaid from yep. um, The Boys. Yeah, I really did go The Boys quite a bit, and uh, that was yeah to see. And also I've seen the voice of, I've mentioned it before, but Mariner's voice. She's in Space Force, the uh, Steve Carell show. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, I,
0: I think um, overall this was a really good day. I one of the things I wanted to mention at the top of the show was that outside of the panels, this, they were, uh, and I think it's resumed now. They're doing a um, streaming marathon on CBS.com, on Star Trek.com slash day. They're just showing episodes, and um, which I
1: thought was great. Huh. I thought it was great. I really it's, liked it because I, would, I, would, I was working from home today, but I would log on periodically to, or just put on Star StarTrek.com uh, and just see a random episode. And well, they were mixing it up so much. They were playing short tracks and all the series. Yeah.
0: What I, so I, I was sitting here working. I, had my, I, I was streaming it off my iPad Pro in the corner over there. And what I thought was kind of funny about it was that I was going online. I'm like, what's the schedule? Like, what? Because there didn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to what episodes they were showing. It was just totally random, right? Um, I loved where they fit in the short treks, though, because because they weren't showing commercials. Obviously, you're not going to run a solid 60 minutes. So, like, in those... When you have one that runs, like, 48 minutes, to get the next episode to start running on the hour, you're like, oh, I got 12 minutes. So let's just air a short <laughs> trek. Yeah. Right? Um, but... I began streaming it this morning when I got up, and um, I just turned it on, it was in the middle of the Vulcan Hello, the first episode of Discovery. And so I had it on, and when the episode ended, I was all ready t- for them to go into Battle at the Binary Stars, and they go into the pilot episode of Deep Space Nine.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: And I'm like, well, where's part two? When are you going to show part two? Like, I just, like... I thought there would at least have been some kind of order to it, but I wasn't even uh, seeing that. So, and I've and I, I
1: total sampler. I'm sure that they got a bunch of new subscribers to CBS All Access today. Yeah, yeah, and from people seeing something new or seeing more of Discovery or more what? of Lower decks they'd never seen before and wanting to check out more.
0: I have to say, like, I'm very, I'm very impressed by the fact that they. Within that mix of episodes that they were showing, I thought to myself, okay, well they're probably only gonna, they're probably only going to show like original series and 90s Trek, but the, but they actually showed Discovery. They showed the first episode of Picard. They showed the first episode of Lower Deck. So I love that they actually included the newest iterations of Trek within that rotating schedule of episodes. So. Because I figured, mm-hmm. like, I kind of thought to myself, like, are they just going to closely guard those episodes because they want people to subscribe? But it also made me think to your point, like, remember, like, when, remember, like, back in the 90s, I don't know if they still do this on cable, you would occasionally get, like, that week long preview of, like, the movie channel if you didn't have it, or, like, yeah,
1: or HBO or the premium
0: like channels, yeah. And, and they would show all the best, and it was great! And, yeah. That was that had this had the sort of same mentality, right? Like they didn't I don't know how many episodes of a card they showed. I only saw the pilot. They may have showed more, I don't know. But
1: that idea too, that if your shows are only to people that are subscribing to your service that is mostly just for those shows. Right. Then you're in the cultural conversation. Right. So there's not that urgency to have to tune in for it. And I think that at least gives some of that. Like, have some excitement around Star Trek for a day. It's brilliant. I mean, I'd like to see what the numbers are. I surely won't give them, but I hope it was a success.
0: I think it was. I mean, people, from what I saw on social media the days leading up to it, like, people were getting genuinely excited for it. And what what I think is so cool is that Trek... Like, the fact that CBS is streaming a bunch of episodes, right? The bulk of your audience, we've seen these episodes... 5000 times but we still get excited to see it to watch it and that to me is just, i don't I, like it's hard to put into words but like that i think is just that that's so that's so cool to me like
1: yeah and especially if they could bring in some of the fans who they watched the shows not any not not from discovery onward right And so they, you know, they love Star Trek and they hear about Star Trek Day and they tune in and maybe they see some of the new things and they get a little more excited and maybe, you know, they check out CBS All Access or they tune in for some of those shows. I mean, that's the best possible because they're bridging and mixing it all. And and we're really saying this is all Star Trek.
0: Like I remember some time ago when TV Land, this is probably like mid 2000s, TV Land picked up the rights to the original series. And people on the Trek PBS were like really excited. And I thought to myself, "Why are you excited? This show's been on syndication forever. Like, what, you probably
1: what, own it on multiple formats.
0: You probably like. I don't understand why you're so excited. And it just, I, I just didn't. It just didn't dawn on me at the time. Like, Trek fans just yeah. love watching Trek, no matter where it is. Yeah. Even if I don't own it,
1: just you know. And as a non-cable person, I do don't fully get that. Yeah. Especially when people say, you know, like, whatever movie it is, like Star Wars. If there's a Star Wars movie on, I'll stop everything and watch it no matter what.
0: Yeah. It's, but it's, it's because, it's, I, it works. it's because, like, it's, it's almost like comfort food. It's just, it's on, I'll watch it. Like, if I just have it cross it? Yes, it's, I may have it sitting over there on the shelf. Yeah. I may be able to, uh, watch it on iTunes, you know, have it up in seconds, but, it's... It's right there. It's on TV. I'll just watch it there. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. And plus, it it may hit that sort of a Pavlovian response for us of like eight eight thirty. I gotta watch the show I want to watch. It's on at eight yeah. thirty. Like, there is yeah. something nice about that.
0: Well, so and I, I was gonna, I was gonna mention this at the top of the show, and I just it just totally slipped my mind. So I, I mean, you know, I've been a, a Trek fan my whole life, but like something kind of occurred to me early this morning. Um, about the franchise, so... that I never really gave much thought, so, you know, Star Trek Day, yes, it's exciting, and that sort of thing. You know, streaming the episodes, episodes that I've seen, as I said, 5,000 times each. But I never really stopped to think that like, the show, the, the franchise has been around, I always sort of, in a way, took the franchise for granted, like it was always been there, but I never really stopped to think about just how much of it there is. And like fifty four years later okay I, I was doing the math in my head as I was making as I was out getting lunch today. there are ten shows with three more coming for a total of thirteen thirteen shows. there are thirteen movies, right like twelve spin off shows from the original series like I can't think
1: up to like, over eight hundred episodes,
0: yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think about. I think we're at about. I think we're, we're zeroing in soon on the on the um, on the thousand thousandth episode. Like, given like my worthless knowledge of TV, I can't think of any other show that has spawned that many spinoffs.
1: Right. Even Law and Order doesn't hold the candle to. Start no, right. like I be the next closest, though.
0: Well, I mean, my my mind went to, like, All in the Family, but... Because that was a lot, but, like... I think it's only, like, six, I want to say. Um, right. And I say only, like, but you say that, like, you know. Um, Law
1: and Order... The Law and, Orders, Law and Order is more like Star Trek because they take a premise. Right. And they put it in a new situation. And generally, all of them have run for... Pretty long, but yeah,
0: there's only about five. Or something. I, just, on I, I just, I, I just, for some reason today, like it's, it, it was something I never thought of, and then it just sort of like hit me in the face, like Jesus Christ, like, like when I was watching the original series panel today, and they were talking to George Takei, like I would love to ask him, like George you 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 were on the original series, right? Obviously back then you had no idea what was what was going to come of the show that you were making. Like when you look at it now and you see that there are there are twelve spin-offs from the year. Twelve spin-offs. Like, can you even fathom that? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, can you even does it even register? Like it only just registered with me now. <laughs> like it just—I didn't even really stop to think about just how many of how much Star Trek there really is.
1: Oh, I feel that oh, I can't do it. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing: you're a comic I didn't even
1: book. Ask that. I think yeah, everybody gets asked that.
0: You're a comic book person.
1: Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. It's, so yeah.
0: And I mean, there's obviously equivalencies see. to this in in the comic Batman's book world.
1: Batman's got eighty yeah. years. Which isn't that much more, really, but yeah, I mean, but it is. It's like on a level of Batman, right? More than anything. Remember, Star Wars, for all it's, that it is, for the most of the time, it was only six movies, right? Right. And then it, recently, it started to expand with a bunch of shows, which has been great. But it's nowhere close to where Star Trek is. But then, I guess if you talk novels and all that, but.
0: right? We have yeah. definitely gone on. We have definitely gone on way too long. Um, we'll be back on Thursday of this week to discuss episode 6 of Star Trek Lower Decks but uh, yeah we just wanted to
1: tell a friend tweet about us rate us
0: and we hope you all had a wonderful Star Trek day and uh, yeah we hope that the events that they did today are sort of the beginning of uh, setting the stage for um, what's to come in the next few years so
1: yes long life and success to you all all
0: alright see everybody Thursday